from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Leaving it better than you found it. I don't want to leave my fields like this. I want them to be better than when I got them for the next generation. Meet a Midwest farmer that's always looking for new ways to protect his land. Ukraine wants answers after more of its grain is found dumped in Poland. And is $4 corn the new norm? You know, we came off of a really large corn crop. Is there any hope for a price improvement for farmers with 2023 crop still in the bin? An update right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. On Monday, corn prices went up, but overall, the recent trend has been for corn prices to move lower. And it's a big concern for farmers with almost 8 billion bushels still sitting in bins across U.S. farms as of December 1st. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, March corn on Monday pushed further below that $4 mark before bouncing back up again. Well, there's certainly hope that the corn market is trying to forge a bottom, but the last time that spot month corn futures fell below $4 was November of 2020. And it's been the perfect storm that has caused this price slide, including growing ending stocks, but also massive farmer and fund selling. The U.S. corn market has been hitting multi-year lows as it transitions to much larger supplies of corn that have outpaced demand. So ending stocks have been growing to the current 2.17 billion bushels with farmers still storing large inventories. You know, I think when we talk about the corn market, you know, one, let's remember what we came off of. You know, we came off of a really large corn crop. So when we think about the corn crop, I mean, our stocks to use ratio is around 15, close to 15%, just a little bit under. And historically, that has suggested lower prices. The funds also continue to press the short side of the market at an odd time of the season. So far, the funds remain short, record shorts as of last Friday. Um, and they just continue to sell any rally. So until that trend changes, it's going to be really hard to break that. And obviously, they're continuing to make a lot of money here, too. Plus, heading into March, option expiration last Friday and first notice date for corn this Wednesday, there has been massive farmer pricing. The selling that we've had is not selling that they would have preferred to have made. No. But there, um, there were you know significant quantities of basis contracts that uh, elevators required them to price. And if farmers roll to a deferred contract month, it's expensive. So some farmers just threw in the towel and sold at lower prices, which is causing severe pain in the country. But adjusted for inflation, this is like them selling $3 corn. So as you know, a new pickup, so much more expensive. Everything's so much more expensive. And the cost to produce a 23 crop, it was the most expensive crop they've uh, ever put in the ground. This will be a pivotal week to see if the corn market can find a low, but the ag finance community is reminding producers to preserve working capital and look ahead at 2024. When we think about, you know, the, the bearish tones that the market could be giving us here in 2024, you know, make sure you have a sound risk management policy uh, in place and making sure that you're protecting that margin and protecting that bottom line of your operation. I'm Michelle Burke reporting for Ag Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Now we have a new snapshot when it comes to cattle. The latest cattle on feed report showing a large decline in the number of cattle going into feedlots in January. USA reporting the number of cattle and calves on feed totaled 11.8 million head as of February 1st. 
That's slightly above last February, but placements in January, they totaled 1.79 million head, which is 7% below 2023. Traders calling that number modestly surprising as the pre-report estimates saw placements down as much as 12%. The number of cattle outside feedlots is, is small relative to a year ago. You're down about 4%. So to some extent, it, it does reflect pulling a number of cattle from a smaller pool. The other thing you have to remember is that, you know, we did have some weather events during January, which probably had some impact on the pace of placements of cattle into the feedlots. Marketings of fed cattle in January were just slightly below the same period last year. A loss for many in the cattle business after a massive fire at a cattle auction barn in Illinois over the weekend. Crews were called Saturday evening to the Rock Island Cattle Auction in Rock Island, Illinois. When they arrived, they found heavy fire coming from the back side of the building. Now, the fire was particularly concerning for firefighters as the building contained lots of square bales of straw and hundreds of round bales of hay. Also an issue, there were approximately 23 head of cattle inside the building at the time. Crews were able to move 22 to safety, but one did perish in the fire. Now they say no people were injured. It's reported the barn is not salvageable. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. The clock is once again ticking for the government to avoid a partial shutdown on Friday. Now this marks the fourth time since September that lawmakers have been up against a funding deadline. In January, they extended some funding for Veterans Affairs, Agriculture, Housing and Urban Development through March 1st. Funding for the rest of the government expires March 8th. Many Republicans don't want to pass a spending plan until they see changes in immigration and border security. You either secure the border or you get no money for the government. Also at issue, funding for Ukraine, with the White House saying Ukraine is so low on funding it's running out of ammunition. President Biden wants the House to pass a Senate bill that has $60 billion for Ukraine. And funding and policy issues continue to hold up the new farm bill. Farm Journal Washington analyst Jim Wiesmeyer reporting Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson conveyed to colleagues that while he had initially aimed to complete the farm bill by this March, ongoing funding issues have forced a delay. And now it appears progress on our farm bill won't come in the next few weeks, possibly not until early April. Johnson emphasized the completion of appropriations bills is a prerequisite for advancing the farm bill. He also mentioned the possibility of another short-term stopgap. A strong storm is triggering both snow and the potential for severe weather across the Midwest. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht is tracking it for us. Matt. Yeah, we got uh, quite the low pressure system working across the United States, uh, being fueled by those spring like temperatures that we we're talking about last week. So here's a look at your Tuesday afternoon. Uh, there is going to be a combination of some strong thunderstorms, possibly some severe weather into the Midwest, uh, but you can really tell kind of that battleground between the warm and the cold. Just looking at this, you got uh, the snow back up here to the north and to the northwest, transitioning uh, the rain, transitioning over to some snow Wednesday night and into uh, Wednesday morning into Wednesday uh, afternoon. Again, a strong low pressure system bringing down that colder air, but much like what we saw this past weekend, it's short lived. It's a low pressure system. It's a strong one working across the United States. But by the time we hit Thursday morning, most of that, and in fact, all of it is going to be back here towards the east. So there's Thursday at about 5 a.m. And it's been a weird winter season for sure. Tom in Southeast North Dakota uh, points out it's February and they're working with the doors 
open. No snow on the ground there that uh, well, and I can see. I'll have more on your forecast, possibly some snow in just a bit. Ukraine appears to be nearing its pre-war export levels when it comes to ag. The country's infrastructure minister is saying Ukraine has exported 30 million metric tons of ag goods through its Black Sea and Danube ports. Specifically, more than 18 million metric tons of ag products were transported directly via the Black Sea corridor. Additionally, Ukraine aims to boost exports via the Danube and is encouraging global businesses to utilize container barge caravans to circumvent blocked grain shipments at Poland's border. And while the grain may be making it out of the country, not everyone appears happy about it. Ukraine is urging Poland to punish those responsible for spills of its grain cargo in Poland over the weekend. Around 160 metric tons of grain was destroyed at a Polish railway station. It comes as Polish farmers protest what they describe as unfair competition from Ukraine along with European Union environmental regulations. Corn and wheat did try to recover some lost ground on Monday. We'll see where things stand coming up next in Markets Now. And later, we'll walk the fields with an Illinois farmer being recognized for his dedication to conservation. What he's doing and why today in the country. And we'll be sharing stories from all of the regional winners this week. It's part of our coverage from Commodity Classic, taking place in Houston, Texas. The nation's four largest grain commodity groups gathering together to discuss policy, farming, and learn about the industry's latest innovations at a massive indoor trade show. I'll be there the rest of the week with the entire Farm Journal team for the 2024 Commodity Classic in Houston. Corn futures bounce back a bit on Monday. Agnes Michelle Rook joins us with Markets Now. Grains all closing higher on Monday. Tom Fitzmeyer is joining us. And Tom, uh, corn closing back above $4 on the spot month. And was that just a recovery rally in your mind? Probably. I mean, I, I, there there is some talk about some dry weather in, in, our, in Brazil. Uh, so I suppose maybe that's percolating around a little bit. Uh, there's an expectation that the USDA is going to raise their estimate of ethanol usage because of poor yields on of, of, of corn for producing ethanol. So there's some little things floating around here, but ultimately there's not a lot that's changed. Uh, it's just that the market's gotten oversold and probably needed, needed a correction, which we kind of all knew was going to happen at some point. I guess the question now will be whether it's follow through on it, whether the uh, trade uses this rally as a, as a chance to reestablish some, sell some more, or whether the farmer uses this to to his advantage to make some sales. But the funds are now record short in the corn market, aren't they? Correct. They got record short last week. They've got a heavily heavy position. Uh, it's hard to find anybody t talking around that isn't bearish. So, you know, if you're any kind of a contrarian, um, that, there's certainly the evidence uh, for a turnaround possibility here. Now, how far that can go, I guess you could see March pop up into that old resistance in the, um, I don't know, 418 to 425 range. That's that's certainly a possibility. I think if you got that chance, you'd, you'd want to jump all over it. Yeah. Soybeans also bounced off of new contract lows there. Do you think we have much upside potential to that market or not? Brazil crop, if they lose 10 million metric ton, which is kind of at the outside what people think is possible, is that impactful or is it important? I mean, that may mean they just run out of soybeans a little earlier in the summer 
and then we're switched right back to whether we've got a good cop coming on. So uh, there's there's a lot to figure out here. Meals lost a lot of value, and meal was a big driver for the rally that we had in soybeans through the winter. So um, I, I guess I see recovery rallies happening. Because the market's oversold, I just don't see them going that far. Tom Fitzenmeyer with Summit Commodity Brokerage. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. They wanted to revisit the current snow depth because it'll be interesting to revisit coming up uh, on Thursday. While there is snow in the forecast from that strong low pressure system, uh, we are going to see a return to above average temperatures across the United States going forward. So you can see that snowpack extending a little bit. I mean, this is maybe a half an inch, if anything, up in the Dakotas, Minnesota, uh, really bare uh, through a good portion of uh, the plains and the Midwest. Higher terrain, higher elevations, obviously seeing a bulk of the snow and the snowpack. Let's go take a look at what's going on with this jet stream. Now, overall, I'm Oops, sorry. There we go. Overall, as we go into our Thursday and Friday, we'll see that system kick out and a ridge of high pressure redevelop across the United States. That sound familiar? Uh, last week, we were talking about that exact same thing happening for this week, and it's set to take uh, take shape once again this coming weekend. Again, there's a jet stream coming up on Thursday. Ridge of high pressure building uh, across the United States, working towards the east. Another strong low pressure system coming through. This pattern, one of the reasons why you, uh, you think severe weather in spring is because of what's going on in the jet stream. You get uh, the warm air to the south, the cold air to the north. It takes time for that jet stream uh, to kind of react and, uh, and even out is kind of one of the better ways to say it. That's happening now where we have the extreme warmth for this time of year, but also some cold air. So the jet stream's doing more of this scientific motion fluctuating uh, across the United States. So this pattern is going to continue for the next couple of days into the week and middle part of March through the 4th through the 10th, still above normal temperatures uh, in and across the United States, and they pocket a cold air back down here to the south and to the southwest. So again, above normal temps, staying over here to the right side of that legend. Danville, partly cloudy, high of 72 degrees. That's good. Kentucky, Carmi, Illinois, partly cloudy, high of 78. Buffalo, South Dakota, showers, wind high around 62 degrees. Starting tomorrow, dairy producers can enroll in the 2024 Dairy Margin Coverage Program. The program's aim is to assist producers by offering price support and offset differences between milk and feed prices. The enrollment period will run until Monday, April 29th, with payments potentially starting as early as March 4th for any eligible payments triggered in January. Now, the National Milk Producers Federation is urging dairy farmers to sign up. It says the program is improved from the previous farm bill thanks to the permanent incorporation of updated production histories in that program. It also says the recent low producer margins underscore just how critical DMC is for dairy farmers of all sizes. To check it out, visit the DMC website. Next week will be a big week for cheese as the 2024 World Championship Cheese Contest is held. The contest taking place in Madison, Wisconsin. More than 3,300 entries are expected across 142 classes of dairy products. Products will be sampled from 
32 states and 24 countries, the World Championship Cheese Contest has been crowning winners since 1957. Now, last year's winner was a Europa cheese produced by Arthusa Farm Dairy in Bantham, Connecticut. The producers say the Europa is their take on a classic Dutch Gouda. They say it's great for melting on burgers. From covering burgers to covering the land, we're off to Illinois next to meet a farmer passionate about cover crops and conservation. That story ahead in the country. The American Soybean Association Conservation Legacy Awards are brought to you by Bayer. Bayer is committed to delivering better solutions for farmers while enabling them to operate more sustainably. Bayer, science for a better life. All this week on Ag Day, we're profiling farmers who are taking conservation to a whole new level. They've all been named winners of the American Soybean Association's Conservation Legacy Award. Different regions of the country have their own unique challenges and ways of approaching conservation, and that's why the award is broken up into regions. Well, this morning, Ag Day's Michelle Rook introduces us to the Midwest region winner, Chris Von Holten. Be never a dull moment, I think. Work in this Illinois shop is never done as Chris Von Holten is constantly striving to uncover new solutions for his north central Illinois farm. Sometimes even if it doesn't doesn't catch there's something there you've learned that you know how to make a planter plant better or add a new fertility program. Trial and error has payoffs and conservation innovations have roots for this family farm dating back to the 1980s. 1987 we had the drought and then in 88 we had a worse drought and that's when we started no-tilling and that's when they started to see change. Corn yields we got that year from 88. It was in the 90s and 100s when the rest of the field was in the 30s and 40s. It didn't surprise me as much as it surprised my dad. Because <laughs> he was just flabbergasted that corn could do that when it was so hot out. From no-tilling into bean stubble to the start of strip tilling in the mid-90s, Von Holten has watched immense improvements in his journey away from tillage. You can see the soil getting a lot better and then the yields are starting to improve too. You know, our water wasn't running off the fields, it was infiltrating and going down where it belonged. As they saw what no-till could do, the Von Holtons then latched on to cover crops. We thought that was the next step to, uh, to control our erosion and then and try and benefit the soil, trying to get better yields that way too. And planting cereal rye, he was able to unlock even more benefits in the soil. The root system from the rye is very fibrous, so it really kind of opens up the soil, makes, gets rid of your shallow compaction and your deeper compactions as those roots go down. It's not just solutions for the soil, but also their waterways that have aided the Von Holten's conservation journey. When we moved here to this place and bought it, we had to do some waterway work here too. They were either had the water had washed down the sides of them or they weren't shaped right. So it's, you know, we usually have the soil and water service come out and lay the waterways out for us to get the right design. And the legacy he wants to leave is simple and stems from his days walking fields of seed corn. He saw what the generation before me had done. So it was kind of like, well, I don't want to leave my fields like this. I want them to be better than when I got them for the next generation. 
Congratulations to Chris Von Holten, the 2024 Midwest ASA Conservation Legacy Award winner. All right, thanks, Michelle. And as we said, we'll bring you the stories of the other three winners throughout the week. And of course, that's all the time we have this morning. Thanks for watching. And from all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. I'll see you at Commodity Classic in Houston, Texas this week.